Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway on this Tuesday, October 3rd. Steinberg along with you, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Lots to get to this hour. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Coming at you from downtown on this Tuesday. Two more preseason games to go for the Flames. Six down, eight to go. And as we're talking right now, eight days away from the start of the regular season and the 2023 home opener. As I said, lots to get to this hour, and let's kick it off by saying hello to our NHL insider. It is time for Frank Saravalli, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Awesome to have South Trail back for another season with Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, Frank. How are we doing today? Pretty good, Pat. How are you? I'm well. It was uh, good to see you last week. How was the uh, short and sweet Calgary visit? It was uh, way too short. Uh, I got to uh, experience a little of the Calgary uh, nightlife last week, uh, which was good. Um, And then it was quick. uh, In with the flames on Thursday, back home on Friday, and uh, wish it was longer. So you, uh, I, I got some, I know for your Frankly Speaking podcast, you did some interviews with some Flames management coaches and players, and uh, one of the things that you were doing was a vibe check. You were like, okay, I want to do a quick little quick little check-in, see what you're reading. What was, uh, what was the Sarah Valley vibe check? I'd say that it was incredibly positive. It was light, fun, airy. Um, all the things that the Flames weren't last year, which was miserable, um, gloomy, dark, gloomy, not interested in coming to the rink and tense. And look, here's the truth is you can feel that way and still not find success. Uh, you can be as positive as you want and it doesn't materialize, but I'll tell you that given as poorly as things went last year to think that a few of those things don't go the other way. And like the flames still only missed by two points. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of a crazy, it's to me, it's crazy to think that this team isn't going to be significantly better with a much better attitude. Well, and it's funny, like you know, usually Vegas is pretty sharp on this stuff. Vegas has their uh, their over under total set at higher than they finished last year, and that's just to set the over under. So yeah, I, I I think you're right. And you know, having been around this team every day at training camp, yeah, it, it is a it is a different vibe. And you're right. I I don't know. None of us know how that's going to translate and how that will manifest itself on the ice. But the one thing. You know, we've been saying since the changes were made and, and since Ryan Huska was brought in to replace Daryl Sutter and since Craig Conroy took over as general manager is that 
if it, it it's not a bad thing. Like I don't know if it'll be good for one win, six wins, or a division title. I don't know, but it's not a. It cannot be a bad thing that it's going to be a whole lot more pleasant to come to work, and it's just not going to be as difficult and miserable as it was at times last year. That can only serve to help you, and it definitely can't hurt you. Yeah, and I also think that that said, they still need better performances. Like the goaltending is going to be a huge part of this year. There's no secret about that. It's a huge part of every year for every team, but Jacob Markstrom can't play the lion's share of the games and put up an 892 save percentage. Like you're probably not going to make the playoffs if that's the case, no matter how positive it is. Uh, You need to get more from some players further down your lineup. You need to get more from your stars. Um, I do think that based on the way Jonathan Huberto feels and talking to him, um, seeing it's just preseason, but seeing Coronado and the impact that he's having, like you need to give people an opportunity to show themselves. Jonathan Huberto, I've seen some of the comments. I know why people are down on him. I get it. The drop-off last season was significant, but go play you know, the bulk of last season, 50-some games on the wrong side of the ice after you were just the highest-scoring left wing in, in one season in NHL history. Go uh, park yourself on the bench as a $10 million player in the last two minutes of games. Like, that makes an impact. It makes a difference. And I just don't think you're going to see a lot of those same things mm-hmm. repeat themselves because of the changes. Um, and one of the one of the first positive check marks for the coming season, and, and it felt like it had been trending this way for a few months, and certainly since Michael Backlund had been back in the city for training camp, but uh, the day after our hit last week, Michael Backlund on Wednesday of last week did sign a contract extension and was indeed named the 21st captain in franchise history. I'm just curious as to your feel as to how it all came about, your thought on the contract, the extension, and and what it means for the organization. I think it was a significant step forward for the team um, to get someone to essentially like plunk their money down and say, I'm in, and to commit. And now Michael Backlund, first off, I, to answer the other part of your question, I, I think the term and dollars are a perfect fit. Uh, I don't think at any point in these next, you know, three seasons, are you going to be looking at him saying, oh, that guy's not living up to the bargain. It's such a short period of time for someone that really has a lot of pride and takes care of himself. He's not going to fall off a cliff. I think three years, you might be asking a different question, uh, meaning that would have been four more seasons of Backlund. So then I just think they nailed it on term and dollars that everyone's happy. And now, Really what you're going to see is, and I asked him about this in our, in our pod that will drop tomorrow, is he's essentially going to become Craig Conroy's biggest salesman. And not in an over-the-top way because, as you know, Michael Backlund, that's not going to be the case. He, there's nothing over-the-top about him. Um, but in an understated way, sort of kind of jabbing at guys, like when are you going to sign? When are you going to do it? Because – you know, they know the opportunities that are available to them. 
and now Michael Backlund staying and being named captain, um, he it's his job to help recruit and keep as much of the team together as he can to give the Flames an optimal chance to win while he's under contract. So if that sales pitch has begun now over the last six days, uh, where do we think it stands? And I, I, I use that only as a, uh, as a bridge, but where do we think things stand on Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, and where those situations are with the regular season eight days away? I think they're grinding to try and get something done. Um, I think the Flames would really like to do it. I think there's definitely been more dialogue or interest from the Lindholm side. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. In fact, I'd give it better than a 50-50 chance that they can get Lindholm done before opening night. So why has that changed dramatically in your eyes over the last number? It hasn't really changed dramatically. Um, I think it's been six weeks of an openness that's there. Um, I think it's been a very consistent message. And I talked before camp opened while they were doing the captain skates. You and I were, were talking about this in, early September, everyone needs to come in and get a sense, get a a vibe, get a feel, understand how good this team can be, and then you're going to start to see people turn. I don't – again, it's not 100%. It's not anywhere close to that. But I think that progress has been made on that front in terms of trying to get something done. Um. And so, because remember, going back to the summer, it was not, it didn't feel super positive. Is, is it kind of the similar storyline with Michael Backlund as to how things have turned going all the way back to whenever it was, I guess it was late June, when it really first started to hit the fan negatively? Yeah, I think, for one, Craig Conroy took control of the situation and said, essentially, like, I, I can't trade the whole team, so... You guys are going to have to gut this out, and not in a negative way. But it was also like, give me a chance. Let me show you what we can do here. Let me show you how things are going to be under my watch and under Ryan Huska, and then let's have a conversation. So it's been a slow play on that front. And point blank, like, it was really funny to get um, some blowback from Flames fans on social media saying like, oh, like you were the guy reporting in June that these guys weren't coming back. And that that was the case then. That's what they had verbalized. That's what they had presented to their agents and to the Flames. Michael Backlund full-on admitted in our conversation, you can hear it tomorrow for yourself, I changed my mind. And it was interesting because it almost came out as a slip of the tongue because uh, he then kind of like corrected himself. Um, to downplay it a little bit. And that's the truth, though. He came from Sweden, um, family, you know, kids back in school, everything firing up again. He's like, this is our home. Uh, He made the choice to stay, and it was a real choice. He could have walked, but the opportunity and the options that are on the table for him is too good to pass up. And I truly believe that at the end of the day, that same – this is too good to pass up approach is going to be what 
stands out for Lindholm and maybe some others. Would Hannafin be one of them? Because it felt like for the longest time, and, and every piece of intel I had suggested this as well, it felt like as much as he said he just wasn't going to sign this summer, it felt like he probably just wasn't going to sign. And even that narrative seems to have changed. And everything that I'm led to believe is that maybe has changed as well. Hannafin seemed to be the one that was most certain was going to be dealt and would not be back at the end of his contract. Where, where for you does that stand now? I'm much less certain on Hannafin. And I think the reason for that is that it's not all that different than Matthew Kachuk. Like, in a perfect world, and, I, and I've said this from the beginning about Hannafin, there's no animosity, no issue, uh, doesn't mind yeah. Calgary, but I think at the end of the day, he, he, his preference is to play in the U.S. And I don't, you can't knock him for that. Like Everyone's preference is what their preference is, and when you become a free agent, that's the name of the game. You get It's dealer's choice. You get to do what you want. So he's, he's uh, I think, a bit of a longer shot than some of the other guys. Okay. I'm really curious how this plays out. Just quickly back to Lindholm. You say, in your eyes, better than 50-50, he signs before the season starts. What's If, if that doesn't happen, what's your feel on, or, or I guess your optimism level is to puck drops, regular season's underway, can this thing still get done, or is it a circumstance where maybe they aren't willing or keen to negotiate once games are on? I don't have a crystal ball, Pat, but what I would say is tell me how the team does. Tell me how the team starts. Yep. Tell me what things look and feel like, and then I'll give you an answer. That is what I kind of apply a lot to the Hannafin situation. I wonder if they get off to a really good start, if that doesn't really start to, to your point, you know, about wanting to play in the U.S., no animosity, but then all of a sudden this team's playing really well. I wonder if that doesn't help maybe him start to move a little bit more towards resigning. And it goes back to last part on all these contracts. And we, I think you've been saying this all summer long. I know certainly we have been and hell, even flames brass have been saying this a good start, whether it's a trade or it's trying to resign your guys, a good start to the season helps everything. It's just better for everybody. If you don't want to be back and you're looking to get dealt or you're looking to boost your value next summer as a UFA, well, then have a good season. And if you're looking for uh, looking for reasons to re-sign or the Flames are looking to convince guys to re-sign, have a good start to the season. It just helps everything. It's a mutual, mutual benefit. Um and that's why I like why Craig Conroy was able to slow things down, yep. slow play it, and just even if you really don't want to be here, the best way to get yourself out of here and get yourself paid is to play really well. It puts it put the onus back on the players, which I think is where it should have been, and which, given everything that played out last year with Daryl Sutter, and and how ugly things were. There are like some stone cold hard facts there that the players probably could have done more. And the players need to take some responsibility at some point. It can't always be the coach. Yep. And they're going to have to live that and, 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 and deal with that this year. 
good or bad. We're talking to Frank Saravalli. He's our daily face-off NHL insider. Joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk. I did want to dive into less, um, it's, it's maybe a little less juicy, but uh, your chat with Craig, Craig Conroy and, and the goaltending situation is pretty much played itself out now as camp has gone on. I don't think we're going to see Dustin Wolf again. I think we'll see Vladar in their second last and then Markstrom in their last preseason games. And I think Wolf will be one of the last cuts going down to the American League and we'll start with the Calgary Wranglers. Just curious though in your conversation with Conroy about the coming season and how they manage Dustin Wolf and trying to get him some NHL games. What's your read on the situation as the year goes on? long so i can't I, I haven't looked back i don't think craig conroy ever had much interaction with lou lamorello in his career but if he did the old if, if you have time use it mm-hmm. it's a classic lou lamorello line and i i think of that here in a perfect world like if you were to take craig conroy and inject some tr- truth serum the best thing for everyone involved, I think, is to get Dustin Wolf up to the NHL level as quickly as possible because he's got nothing left to play for in the AHL. He's proven that he's a superstar, super stud goalie there. And get him on the flames and playing 30-some games a year. But Dan Vladar's here. Wolf has waiver exemption. And no one has stepped up to pay the price for Vladar that I think he warrants, which is I think it's a second round pick all day long. The market, your market doesn't seem to be as bullish on that. Um, he's, he's got starting goalie credentials. Like he he's very easily could be a number one on, I think quite a few teams in the league. Why no one wants to pay for goalies right now? It's a we'll see if that stance changes based on how some teams have made some significant bets this year. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you don't you don't just dump Dan Vladar just to do it and just to appease Wolf and to get him playing mm-hmm. in the NHL. Yep. you can't do it. That's bad asset management. Craig Conroy knows it. The Flames know it. And so for now, everyone needs to put a smile on and and get through this as best they can um, and try and keep any distraction to a minimum. I don't think there's going to be much distraction, but it's it's definitely um, Dustin Wolf is ready. Like there's no, no one's pretending otherwise. Um, rest of the Pacific division and, and maybe where Calgary fits, maybe where Calgary doesn't fit, but you know, the, the Pacific division had uh, a Stanley cup winner come out of it. They had, uh, an expansion team in their second year make the playoffs and win a round last year. The Edmonton Oilers have won three playoff rounds in the last two years. And there's there's and the LA Kings have made the playoffs in back to back years. Maybe uh, maybe surprisingly in some minds. I'm just curious as to how you see the Pacific shaping up this year. All right, I'll give you my Pacific Division prediction, top to bottom, and you can tell me where you want to go next. Okay, I I got Edmonton one. Vegas 2, LA 3, Calgary 4, Vancouver 5, Seattle 6, San Jose 7, Anaheim 8. Okay. The disrespect to the Seattle Kraken. Okay. 
So they won a round last year. <laughs> I'm not even saying I disagree with you, by the way. <laughs> and they had 100 points. And they did it with 18 skaters having 20 or more points. Philip Grubauer has played 100 games now in a Seattle Kraken uniform and has a save percentage of 893, which we just talked about with Markstrom. Not good enough. So they did all of that last year with all of that depth scoring and all of those career years that I just think are going to be difficult to duplicate. I think so much went right for them. It Would it surprise me to see them be a playoff team? No, Like, no. But would it surprise me to see them have eight points come off of their number and they're at like 92 and they've, they miss not that wouldn't surprise me either. So that's sort of how I come up with that. Maybe you think I'm crazy. I I mean, no, I I honestly, I, I, I was a big Seattle fan last year. I think Dave Haxtell's done really good things there. I think their shot suppression's elite uh, and and really helped with their shoddy subpar goaltending last year. But I look at them and some of the players they lost and what they replaced them with and the career years. I think Seattle will be in tough to make the playoffs. I think they'll be competitive. I think they will be a good team. I just, I don't know if I see triple digits out of them again. And so I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I've, I you know where you know where I maybe let where where I do disagree because I I I think what you just said there about Seattle is bang on the area where I am less convinced is Vancouver I just don't buy them and and part of that is I just do not buy that back end and so as good as I think Elias Pettersson is and as strong as I think some of their forwards are I think their forward depth is meh. And I think their blue line depth is very suspect. And so I have a tough time putting them kind of even, even in the wild card periphery. And I know there's a lot of people who are feeling like this is finally the year where the Canucks take a step forward. Maybe I'm just uh, too tied to what has happened the last couple of years. I, I just have trouble putting them ahead of teams that made the playoffs last year. So Vancouver would really be the only one that I differ with you on. Okay, well, I like Vancouver, and I really like their back end now. And maybe that's a big difference in in opinion is I think Quinn Hughes is a top seven or top ten defenseman in this league. And I think the pieces that they've added, when you're no longer counting on Ethan Bear and Jack Rathbone and other fringe NHL players to play in your your top six, you can compete. You've now filled out that group with Philip Aronik for a full season, which over his career, he averages a half point per game. So you pencil him in for 42 points. Um, you've got Carson Soucy, who is a big part of that Seattle team and emphasis on big add size on their back end. You've got, uh, Ian Cole, who's riding a personal nine-year playoff streak and chose to come to Vancouver as a free agent for what he said to me was their description of being sick of losing. And then Tyler Myers is in a contract year, and he's been much maligned in Van, but I think watching him up close again and seeing him in practice and seeing some games in the preseason so far, I think he looks good. Um, I, so I, I, I think upgrading their back end was a big part of it. 
I think Thatcher Demko, he said to me on the pod that he completely tore his groin to the point that he almost needed surgery last year, had to step out Mm -hmm. of the lineup. And you could tell he was hurt. His numbers were in the eights. He's never done that in his career. He comes back for the last 16 games of the year and plays at a 920. Thatcher Demko is my pick to win the Vezina this year. He's that good, and he's that dialed in. So you've got Demko, an improved back end. Maybe Elias Pettersson takes another step forward. Maybe he doesn't. But you've got a should have a healthy Ilya Mikheyev, which should help. Kuzmenko had a great year. I just think they've got lots of motivation. And now another, you've got another new coach, a full season under Rick Tockett, and his teams compete. Like, they just work. You think they get in? I think they do. I think the Pacific gets five teams in. So you've got Calgary got, back in too? I've got Calgary in at number four in the West. So they'd be the first wild card. Uh, four in the division. So they'd be the first wild card. And, then and I've got team. Vancouver as the second wild card. I just think. And my th- three playoff teams from the Central are Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota. And then everyone else falls short. Okay. I mean, I have no problem. Am I crazy? I have no problem with that. If we could get all three Western Canadian teams back in the playoffs at the same time, I'd be all for that. Uh, as much as as much as we enjoy misery in Vancouver and Edmonton, it'd be good for the region to have all three teams back in the playoffs. So, uh, why do you think I went to to see all three teams to start the year to charm them? Well, I wasn't just because I wanted to see your beautiful face. I thought that was I thought that was near the top of your list, but I thought mostly it was to. You just rub off that good luck, the Saravali charm on the three teams and see where it leads him. That was my read on it. I don't fly like 14 hours <laughs> around the continent just to, just for fun. Um, I, I think this, it, it's interesting because for whatever reason, reading everyone else's predictions and not saying anyone is wrong or I'm right or anything like that, it seems to be pretty stagnant. Like, mostly everyone has the same 14 or 15 teams in the mix from last year. And it's like, that's guys, that's not how the NHL works. Yeah, That rarely happens Every year. There's like six teams that miss the playoffs that should make it. And six teams that we feel like have no business getting in doing something. Yep. So the NHL is crazy year to year. Good stuff, Frankie. That was a fun one today. Thanks, as always. It was good to see you last week. We'll do it again next week, hey? Okay, sounds good. See ya. Frank Saravalli, our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays, and he joins us brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. It's Steinberg along with you as this hour of Flames Talk rolls on on a Tuesday. So still lots to be determined when it comes to Calgary's contract situation. Uh, some some conversation and some potential updates there. Uh, feels like and it, it's... Lindholm has been adamant since getting back, since he talked for the first time since getting back, that he has said all along he wants to stay. Well, there's eight days till the start of the regular season. Is it enough for him to want to stay before the puck drops for the regular season? And if the puck drops for the regular season and he hasn't signed, what's the willingness to negotiate 
in season, those are going to be really interesting questions to watch. Hey, tune into the Sportsnet Radio Friday Soccer Report brought to you by Casiero del Diablo Wines and the Way to Be a Legend contest, the chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime trip to England for the ultimate Manchester United experience, including a chance to play a football game at Old Trafford where Man U legends will make an appearance. No purchase necessary. Conditions apply. Must be legal drinking age. Casiero del Diablo, available at the AGLC. Please enjoy responsibly. Enter in-store or visit CasieroManchester.com. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Let's get into some lineup conversations now that we are officially three-quarters of the way through the preseason. Six down, two to go. Flames are 4-1-1. One, and one. Steinberg, Logan, along with you. Logan Gordon joining the hour. Is this the best Adam Ruzicka camp we've ever seen? Let's start there. Lots of questions to get into with two more training camps to go. He's been really impressive to me. I think it's the best camp he's ever had. What about for you? Yeah, I'd say so. I think given where he started and given how consistent he's been throughout the preseason and training camp, I would say, yeah, it's it's probably, and I don't know how close it is really. I think this has probably been by far his best camp in the Flames organization. So then it gets back. To what is one of the $64,000 questions um, in this entire camp conversation. Oof, that's a throwback. Only <laughs> only people in the millennial, millennial and older would understand the $64,000 question. Is that your final answer? Um, where does he need to play to be most effective and thus what does that mean for where he fits in the lineup? That's that's the thing that I still don't have a 100% feel on. I know that you believe that top nine and, and being in more of an offensive role as opposed to that quote-unquote fourth line is where he fits best. And I think I agree with you because I just gut-wise don't feel as comfortable with him as a number four center on this team as I do with him playing on the wing with a Kadri like he has for most of this preseason. I think playing with Kadri and Dubé has been good so far. I think that line has been strong when together, but they were very strong in the win over Winnipeg on Monday. I would like to see that continue, I think, unless we see in these last two preseason games that it takes a big step back and Adam specifically takes a big step back. I'd, I'd like to keep seeing that. I'd like to see those... Three guys remain together here for the next little bit and maybe even start the season together. That just throws some other things into, I want to—I wouldn't say disarray, but definitely throws some other things into the blender when it comes to putting the 12 forwards together. Sure, I, I, I suppose it does. But at the same time, getting somebody going like Adam Ruzicka and let's be honest, Pat, it's not just about Adam Ruzicka, it's about is that line working as a whole? And I think you'd agree that the line of Ruzicka, Kadri, and Dubé has worked. It's not just been a good fit for Adam Ruzicka. It's been a good fit for all three of them. So I don't have any problem having to move things around to accommodate some... Uh, accommodate's the wrong word. He's earned the role. 
right? By everything that he's done, he's forced your hand into this position. So I, I don't mind giving somebody a position if they've earned it and having to change my plans or change how maybe I had things written in paper back in August, right? I, I have no problem with that. If anything, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that because if this always screamed for last year and fans screamed for was youthful, give these guys a chance. What's going to happen when you finally give all these guys a chance at, right. at legitimate NHL time? Well, it's just the preseason, but it's been NHL time with NHL players. And so far, at least two of your young players have popped off and looked like regular NHLers. So that's a good thing. I, I think if you're, you're looking at it as a problem, I, I think you can turn your perspective into looking at it as a good thing and potentially a good thing long-term for the Flames. The other player you're talking about is Coronado, yeah. who's had himself a really good camp as well. And I think much like Adam has put himself on the opening day roster and in the opening night lineup. And I think, I think probably even more so than, than Adam has. And that's not to say that I think it's really in flux. I just, I feel like, I feel like Coronado in the top nine to start the year, you can pretty much just check Mark in. Whereas I still think that's up in the air a little bit with Rizichka. And because that number four center role remains uncertain as well. I think that that remains an option. Coronado's not going to go down to the number four C role. Nope. So I think, I think he's in as a top nine winger, one of the top three right wingers to start the regular season. Let me put it this way. Adam's digging up, right? If Matt Coronado started on an even playing field coming into training camp, no expectation one way or another, he's gone up from there. I think Adam started from a position below a level playing field yeah, there was because a little bit of, of what hey, he prove it to exactly us. Yeah. right. So I and I think that that's fair. I I don't have if somebody felt that way, whether it was a coaching staff or a fan felt that way about Adam Ruzicka coming into this training camp, I wouldn't have blamed you because there has been a bit of that prove it mentality with that with Adam Ruzicka. Okay, you say you know what you need to do. You say you're going to be more consistent. Well, until you actually go out and show me that you've kind of done the opposite for me and you've kind of created a stigma about yourself that you're not a consistent player based on what we've seen so far. So I don't think he came into this on the same playing field as other young players because I think he had developed sort of a not a negative reputation for himself, but I think he had I think he had earned the the criticism of being an inconsistent player. Oh, absolutely. And he's had he has to, to work point. his way back yeah. up to, and we'll probably, even in some uh, some people's mind, even going back to your conversation on the post-game show or on Flamestock with, with Derek on the Daily Flames Roundtable, for some people, he'll have to exceed those expectations even more to get past where he's, the expectations that he set negatively for himself in previous seasons. Yeah, Ash wrote a really good text about that on Flamestock post-game on Monday night as well. Um, uh, so, yeah, the the whole idea of him needing to exceed expectations or, or do a little bit more to win some people over. And I think not just win you and me and you listening over, if you're in that headset, but I think people that actually matter when it comes to the decision-making and, and in the flames organization, I think that probably well, is we, fair we, right we had now. If you were judging Matt Coronado off of the one NHL game that he saw last year and that was your impression of him, 
I think you're being unfair to him. I, I think it was, we have no expectation of that. We had no idea. We'd never seen this guy in an NHL camp or with NHL players for a regular portion of time, Pat. We had that with Adam Ruzicka, yeah. Yeah. right? We've had, I don't even know how many games at this point with him at the NHL level. Triple digits, I believe. It's got to be over 100 games by now of a sample size, and that's, you generally are. No, 75. Okay, so close to 100 games. Three quarters of 100 games. Almost a full season. Yeah. Some might call. We have that to to go off of for you. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say he was coming from a, probably a, a lower position down in some people's mind than um, than a Coronado would have been. Where's Coronado fit best? Is it, be- is it best with Backlund? Do well, right we know now yet? It's, it's the best with Backlund. I thought, ba- I, mean, I thought Backlund was dynamite against the Jets. I thought Coronado was one of the best players uh, against the Jets. Uh, they looked really good. Backlund raises the game. Talk about him kind of makes you feel like it, you want to see it, right? And if you missed it on the Flamestock postgame show Monday night, he was asked what makes Michael Backlund so easy to play. He said everything. What makes it life easier? Everything. He does every little thing. And that's, you know, everybody's got praise for their teammates and likes playing with, with certain guys, but doesn't that just give you a sense, Pat, of, of how much he respects and values what Michael Backlund brings on a day-to-day basis? And we have so much previous experience Almost like Chris Tanev defensively. I like to compare the two of them like that. It feels like Chris Tanev you can put with almost anybody, and there's going to be a bit of a Tanev bump or a young guy is going to feel comfortable in that spot because he does all those little things so well. I see the same with Michael Backlund and the way that he plays uh, the game, the 200-foot game offensively and defensively that can really make a young guy feel comfortable. And, gosh, the Flames haven't had enough experience with that with Michael Backlund being a soft landing spot for however many young players in the organization to go off of before Coronado I think you've got a great sample size of what that could be this is uh what Coronado had to say by the way post game on Monday he does everything he does all the little things um he's always working always in the right spots um he can make a a lot of plays um so he's just such a uh reliable and smart player um, and he definitely makes it really easy for his line mates and he always has and you can ask any number of line mates who have played with him from Manjapani to Kachuk early in their careers Joe Colburn never had better seasons than when playing on Michael Backlund's win up, uh, wing up until recently Sam Bennett never had better seasons uh, than playing on Michael Backlund's wing he made Lance he made Lance Boma like four million dollars because of that one season um, so yeah like he helps young players. He elevates players around him. It's what he does. So if they were to continue doing that, I would get it. Um, and the good thing about Coronado is as much as we think about him as a shooter, I will say that his play away from the puck so far through training camp, I never thought it was going to be a liability. I just always worry with young players as they are getting acclimated to the NHL, how they play away from the puck. So it's less a Coronado thing and more just an age experience thing. He's looked pretty poised away from it, and his his fight level, his fight to get it back, his, tena- his tenacity, the way that he goes after pucks when he's on the forecheck or when he's trying to get it back, whether it's in the offensive zone or in his own zone, it's been impressive.
And and that's something that fits with a Michael Backlund line as well, because you know you'll be playing against good players, and you know you'll be seeing a lot of two-way responsibilities. So we'll see if that continues. Does it worry you if you put Coronado with Backlund that it takes away that line's ability to be the top shutdown line no. that you've relied on them to and be? And the only reason I say that is because Backlund has been that guy kind of regardless of who the center, who the wingers have been over the last number of years. Backlund, Kachuk, and Froelich. That was a shutdown line. Backlund, Mangiapane, and Coleman. Shutdown line. Backlund and Froelich with whoever was a shutdown line. And they had all a rotating cast of different wingers there. Two M's. Yeah. Remember the 3M line? I do remember the 3M line. So I just, as such, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't worry me, especially, especially with what I've seen so far for Coronado. And if it were to become a situation where... It's maybe, you know, may, maybe he's not quite ready for that type of responsibility. Well, then you can make a change pretty easily. You have a Coleman, you have a Mangiapane, you can put right back there without thinking all that much about it. Um, okay, just a couple rapid fire. We've seen Sharon Govich, and now we've seen Mangiapane, who's the, uh, and a very small sample sizes. Who is your ideal fit with Lindholm and Huberdo as the top line right wing? Oh, you can defer if you'd like. No, that's a cop out. I want to sit on the. I'm gonna say I like Sharon Govich there more. I like that line for a good chunk of the game against uh, Winnipeg. I'd like to see another game with Manjapani. I'm not convinced that's the long term fit. I'm not either, and that's not a knock on any of them. I just think Manjapani's versatility and ability to do. So many different things might work better elsewhere. And I don't even know that these lines that we're seeing at this point in training camp, Pat, are indicative of anything that it might be opening night. We might go back to the lines that we saw earlier on because I think for Ryan Husky, it's about developing other options and knowing that you can go to other wingers in different spots, especially all we've talked about today is how guys have sort of changed the hierarchy of how we see the top nine or, or of wingers. I think it's good to have options in your back pocket if you're the head coach and taking the time to know it now, right? Maybe those first ones, maybe he said, look, we, we liked what we saw from Sharon Govich, but we want to try Mange there just in case. Regular season comes, somebody gets banged up, somebody's slow starting. Okay, we've got this in our back pocket. And we can easily jump to it if we need to. Wouldn't mind at some point if they tried Coronado there down the road, maybe not even before training camp comes to an end, but that might be interesting. For sure. If he continues to prove his... His two-way value and his his ability to hunt pucks like he has, I, I think the natural progression is going to be to see him up there sooner than later. And whenever we've seen Dubé and Lindholm play together, I've liked it. Even going back to the 2021 56-game no-fan season, I've always liked Dubé with Lindholm. Dubé, Lindholm, Kachuk, I thought was actually a pretty decent line before things got all weird that year. So that would be an interesting one. Um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing either. Okay. Finally, we, I don't know the answer to this one. Are you in the same boat as me that we still don't know who the four C is going to be? No. Zeri, Schwint, Rizicka, Hunt. That might be the one that is most in flux going into these final two. I thought Cole, I thought unfortunately Cole struggled against Winnipeg on Monday. I thought he saw it in his ice time. I was a bit surprised we didn't see Connor Zeri at that spot on practice on Tuesday. But given the injury situation, given the guys that we've talked to that 
you know, we thought had center ice capability and maybe don't, or maybe aren't as comfortable there as we thought. It feels like it's down to those two, but I don't know who has a leg up right now. Yeah. I think it's still very much to be determined in the last week of training camp. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Apple Store and Google Play Store. As we start to wrap up this hour, for Logan Gordon on Twitter at Fan960Logan, for Cam and Taylor, our producers, my name is Pat, and uh, this hour has been The Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com.